So where is it? Is it supposed to say the Royal Wee Wee? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, just check it. Yeah. So so should I should I start? Yeah. Okay. Why, hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of A is 4. We are salivating with joy at the prospect of bringing you our brand new podcast. The royal we that Jelly is referring to is, of course, this holy trinity made up of myself, Marika Hackman, Miss Gina Miller to my left. Hello. And Jelly Dennison over there on my right. Hello. Did I say Jelly Dennist? No, you said Jelly Dennison. Good. In every new episode, we'll be discussing three topics that each of us have chosen that begin with the same letter of the alphabet. For example, this week, A is for autopsies, accidents. No, it's not. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start that again. For example, this week, A is for autopsies, ASMR and apologies. Take it away, ladies. A is for anything. Baby blue. C is classy, clams and clogs. D for doggy doos. T is easy. F for flange. G for gannon. H for ham. I for idiot. You're an idiot. I'm an idiot. J. K is kooky. L for lads. Margaret ladies. Lads, lads, lads. M for mummy. And for knock knock. Who's there? Pee pee hoo. Here can't you RST. U for ugly. V for Venus. W for W. X is hard to comprehend. Why can't I just reach the end? Z for zebra. Zink and zany. Baglioni. Zip zucchini. Zoom and zoom and zip into the alphabet. I'm going to kick us off this week, and uh, my my chosen topic, beginning with A, is going straight in at the deep end. It, I'm going to talk about autopsies. Ooh. So mm. it's probably if if anyone is a little faint-hearted or uh, doesn't like talking about death, which is understandable, then maybe skip. 10, 15 minutes onto uh, the next section. But speak now or forever hold your peace, because in we go. I'd like to skip. (laughs) You can't skip. (laughs) Now, I'm sure you both know what an autopsy is, but just in case. Actually, can anyone tell me the Latin name? Gina. Autopsis? No, think think more obviously. What's the other name for an autopsy? I do know this, and I I can't remember it. Okay, well, I'll tell you. It's a post-mortem. Oh, oh, God, oh, bloody is. My Latin teacher would kick me. <laughs> and uh, it's an arm of forensic science, which is used to determine the cause, mode and manner of death. And uh, it's carried out in two cases, either a natural death or an unnatural death. And when, it's, when there's something suspicious about the death, that's when the forensic pathologist comes in Ooh. and tries to figure out exactly what happened. Everything changed a lot when DNA evidence came in because... That made everything so much easier to figure out who'd done it. But before that, like a lot of what he talks about, this this book that I'm going to tell you more about in a little bit, is uh, is basically him figuring out exactly how someone died and also being able to figure out who did it just from like one stab wound, which is absolutely wow. incredible. But yeah, this book is written by a guy called Dr. Richard Shepherd and it's called Unnatural Causes. And he was the the like leading forensic pathologist in the UK. I think in the 80s and 90s, um, which was before DNA evidence. So it's a really interesting read. Can't recommend it enough. And he's done over 23,000 autopsies in his time. Wait, so he has seen and probably touched 23,000 bodies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and a lot of them are mass disasters. So it's like just absolutely horrific stuff. And there are, part, there are parts of the book that are a really, really difficult read, um, and there's one bit where 
he he's talking about the process of decomposition and I was reading it on the tube on the way to work and I had to get off the tube and sit down because I felt so sick. It was like such a graphic explanation of what happens to the body, which I'm actually going to tell you. Is but that what you're... <laughs> I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read his bit to you. But um, it's so quick. It happens so quickly. 24 to 72 hours after the after death, internal organs begin to decompose. <laughs> this is the... This is, the really the bit that made me feel really sick. Three to five days after death, the body starts to bloat and blood-containing foam leaks from the mouth and nose. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, no. I won't eat jam again. <laughs> I won't eat foam again. <laughs> I won't eat blood again. Um, and then eight to ten days after death, the body turns from green to red. Wait, hang, when was it green? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I think you go green when you die. This is crocodile autopsies. <laughs> um, as the blood decomposes and the organs in the abdomen accumulate gas, oh, the organs in my what? abdomen are constantly accumulating gas. And then several weeks after death, nails and teeth fall out. And then one month after death, the body starts to liquefy. So actually, that whole thing about hair and nails growing forever and ever is a lie. Yeah, they they they. Once you're dead. Oh, well, they, they continued probably to grow for about a few weeks and then they just drop off. That is truly disgusting. All of that. Mm. Yeah. Horrific. But so interesting. It's like so unglamorous. Mm. Unless you died in a ball gown. <laughs> true. True. But as you bloat, obviously the ball gown suffers. That's true. <laughs> Buy a few sizes up just in case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he uh, he describes... He's like, it's so awful what one human can do to another, but the actual human body is, he describes it as just being so like beautiful. And when he does actually, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you actually. My it's, word. Uh, I've got the book with me here. And what I'm going to do is, is read his account of him doing his very first autopsy. Unless you don't want to hear it. No, <laughs> no, I'd like, I'd, I'd like that. to hear it. Yeah. But um, it's not, it's not that graphic. Don't worry. It's a... Uh, very interesting. So he says, I took a deep breath, steeled myself, picked up the knife and placed it at the little notch in the centre of the base of her neck between the inner ends of the collarbones. Her skin did not resist as I pushed on the blade. I pulled it through the midline firmly because I was trying to stop my hand from shaking. Down, down, right down the body to the pubic bone. My second cut along the same line took me through a layer of bright yellow fat. The patient was overweight. Fat solidifies and becomes more fixed to the skin once the body has cooled down in death and it can simply be peeled away. Underneath is the muscle layer and beneath that is the rib cage of the thin person who is always there inside that round body, but hidden. My next cut was also easy, the cut through the muscle. It is hard to believe how much like the carcasses hanging at the butchers the human body looks when stripped down to the bone and how like a steak human muscle can appear. Now I could fold the skin sideways and outwards from the middle, midline as though opening a book. Even with a breast each side, this is easy. The main problem was to make sure my knife didn't cut through the skin around her neck because relatives paying their last respects saw this. It would look shocking to them. Once the skin, fat and muscle are pulled back, it is easy to cut through and then remove the front of the ribs. And when I had done this, there before me were this woman's internal organs laid out for my inspection. But I still had time to experience that sense of wonder at the body, its intricate systems, its colours, and yes, its beauty. For blood is not just red, it is bright red. The gallbladder is not just green, it is the green of jungle foliage. The brain is white and grey, and that is not the grey of a November sky. It is the silver grey of darting fish. The liver is not a dull, school uniform brown. It is the sharp red brown of a freshly ploughed field. Oh my. This is amazing. It's so poetic. Yeah, it's like just... the hockney of bodies. Mm. <laughs> so now, I have a question for you both. Yes. Can you tell me 
what the two best forensic indicators are to estimate time of death. Is it the teeth? No, that's for IDing. Okay. Is it not? Is it like the coagulation of the blood? No. I'm going to tell you. Is it something to do with colour? No. Body temperature. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. And rigor mortis. Yes, Marika. Sorry, <laughs> my lips were pursed in a little O as Jelly was carrying on there. Um, what? Obviously, you know what like rigor mortis is—the body stiffening. Um, but what, how does that actually happen? I knew you were going to ask me this, Marika. Rigor mortis is actually caused by complex changes that occur once the heart has stopped beating and the muscle cells are deprived of the oxygen they need in order to metabolize. Mm-hmm. That answer your question. In me- some ways. Yes, sure. The stiffening of the muscles generally occurs faster than the body than the body cools, so there is usually a period where the body is both warmer and stiff. <laughs> <laughs> For heaven's sake. <laughs> stiff as bored. <laughs> wow. wow. Oh, can I ask you a question? Oh, please. Does Dr. What's-his-name-Richard? Shepherd. Does he give any indication of why he first went into that for a professional at what age he was drawn to it good good question yeah the whole the whole of the beginning of the book is to do with that and he talks a lot about which you'd think might make you not want to work in pathology but his mum died um when he was quite young and he just became really fascinated by death and like the process of dying basically and then he he studied medicine at university I believe and wasn't hadn't like decided exactly what to do and then had was like oh forensic pathology is like a mixture of science. It's like all the things that he enjoyed and it's like kind of it's a lot to do with truth and the bending of the truth and stuff like that and he's really interested in that and so that's kind of how he got into it. It's funny because I just I think of a doctor as someone that's fixing something or yeah. healing you. Yeah. And obviously this is just cutting you up. It's so it's so interesting and and something that I weirdly think I, I do think I'm too squeamish to do it, but I would love to watch someone do an autopsy. I feel like you could do it. Do you think? I think once just you dabble. get over it, yeah, just have a little dabble. <laughs> just have we a could go. set it up for you. I did look on Wikipedia. I, I googled how to perform an autopsy, um, and then got really worried for ages that I was going to have the police coming around to my house. And th- there is literally, which is quite worrying, a step by step, quite detailed process of how to actually perform one, which makes me think that people, lots of people, have been asking why. Mm, that's worrying. That gives me the spooks a little bit. But then. It's surely that's, you know, asking how to do an autopsy isn't necessarily um, asking how to do a murder. It's quite helpful, first at the scene. Yeah, true. Crack, crack, crack I, don't, on, yeah. I don't think it's ever anyone's responsibility who isn't, <laughs> you know, an official member of staff. It's definitely the kind of thing I would do. It's like stroll up <laughs> yeah. to the body first at the scene and rather than ringing anyone, be like, don't worry, guys, I've got this. Like, whip out my scalpel. I read a book about it. <laughs> Alexa, how do you do an autopsy? (laughs) God, imagine. Mm. Horrific. So something else that I I found really interesting is his, again, pre-DNA evidence, really, because then that kind of came along and changed everything. But he, the guy he studied under, um, specialised in shootings and bombings. So he decided to go into stab wounds and knife, death by knife, which, interestingly, is more favoured by women killing someone with a knife and men prefer to shoot Who sorry as in it's preferred by women to kill someone with a knife or yeah nine times out of ten it, it's men killing anyone classic men classic men, classic men. Um, 
But normally women are killing in self-defence. Who are they killing? The men. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and that explains the knife because you don't really buy a knife to kill. Exactly. But you have a knife in the home. to cut the pumpkin. Well, exactly. Oh. And then you, you know, well, I'm thinking it's Halloween. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, Everyone goes crazy on Halloween. <laughs> and, you know, it's self-defence. Yeah. You've got your pumpkin carving knife. That'd be the best. That's sort of quite narrow and serrated, though. Cut out their eyeballs. (laughs) (laughs) Put a candle inside. (laughs) Back to the more serious side. You two fools. He he develops this really cool technique where he can, by practising on a roast chicken, that he's quite funny about how his kids are like, we just want to eat the Sunday roast. (laughs) He's like going at it from all angles to try and figure out which way it would be if the chicken had been murdered. Death by roasting. <laughs> I, hope it wasn't, I hope it wasn't death by roasting. I mean, death oh, that's by... true. Actually. You don't pop the chicken into the tray. <laughs> Sorry, that's squawking. E- extra death by roasting. <laughs> Finished. Death by decapitation. Have you ever seen that happen? De- a decapitation? A, of a chicken? No. I've seen one and I was very surprised at how kind of peaceful it was. How much you enjoyed it? I didn't enjoy it. In fact, I was a vegetarian at the time and I was uh I wasn't expecting to be able to watch it, but it happened so quickly. I didn't kind of have a moment to glance away, and it was just so quick and it was completely silent and it was such a big sharp knife. It was almost as if someone was just spreading a bit of softened butter on toast. That was the movement. It was so easy and the head just came off and that was that. Terrifying. I think we know who's going to be the pathologist in the room. Or the murderer. Yeah. (laughs) It would be you. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm joking. Um, But there's, he talks about a really interesting case where police, there's an old man and he's got a, he's been, he's dead. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And he's been cut down the side of his neck. And the police are like so sure it's murder and blah, blah. And he, Richard Shepherd rolls in, um, looks at the wound for a while and is like, I'm almost certain that this man killed himself. And the police are like, how on earth? Like, we we can't find a knife anywhere. That's just not true. Like, the murder weapon's been removed from the scene. Like, blah, blah, If it was suicide, he'd have the knife right next to him. And he looks at the wound and because of the way that the blood is splat- splattered. <laughs> splat. There's no better word. <laughs> than splattered. Yeah. Yeah. It just very onomatopoeic. That's what blood does. Splatter. Splatters. Um, anyway, basically, long story short, it was suicide, and uh, he is able to completely piece together a picture of exactly what happened, and is like, from my calculations, the knife is going to. He's like, the knife's going to be in a really obvious place. Blah blah blah, and he finds the knife within like five minutes. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. I just, I do just find it very fascinating, which is why. And and a little plug for this book, because if you like this kind of thing... Have you said what it's called? Unnatural Causes. <laughs> I'm sure I said what it was called. And Jeremy Vine says it's absolutely brilliant. A is for Absolutely Brilliant by Jeremy Vine. That's A and B. Did he say oh, yeah. A dash absolutely? Yeah. Ah, absolutely brilliant. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's having an autopsy performed on him at the time. <laughs> Right, well, I'll go next. Yes. I mean, yes. Yes. Thanks for that, Joe. My pleasure. Anytime. Very interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> interesting. I, um, 
Right. What I'm going to talk about, slash we're going to talk about, because I'm going to make you ask me lots of questions and things, um, is ASMR, which I knew about but wasn't particularly familiar with um, before I started researching for this chat. So this is very much a kind of beginner's approach. So apologies if anyone listening is a big ASMR fan. You're going to be bored. Um, (laughs) First of all, I want you two to answer for me what... ASMR stands for, or try to, both of you. Autosensory Meridian Response System. Oh, well, that's boring. Oh, you loser. Did you look at that on my sheet? No, I actually didn't, and I didn't check last night. I just vaguely remembered it, and it's just come into my head. What would you have said, Jelly? Absolutely <laughs> salivating <laughs> my rectum. <laughs> How did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> um, close, obviously, but yeah. actually, yes, Gina got it right. So okay. it's auto-autonomous sensory meridian response, um, which was coined by a lady called Jennifer Allen, who I've tried to find some research on. It seems to be that it's just that she came up with this name. I don't believe that she's a sort of she's research. Real. I don't believe in her. Um, <laughs> she's a- like the tooth fairy. But she, what? she basically was someone who experiences ASMR um, and basically it wasn't known about at all Um, so she would google sort of every year asking about the symptoms of having a kind of tingling response to certain triggers Wow! and um, nothing would come up and then I think she in sort of somewhere between 2007-2009 she typed in weird sensation feels good and it came (laughs) up on this forum on this website called Steady Health and there were suddenly that year all these people talking about this response they were having and um, she basically decided that she wanted to remove it from the idea of it being sexualized because lots of people were saying it's a kind of orgasmic response or it's erotic. And she felt that it was something very different to that. So she came up with autosensory meridian response, which when you break it down, doesn't mean anything, to be honest, um, in terms of the words. Um, Wonderful. So, you know, auto it's uh, spontaneous, self-governing, you know, coming from you. Sensory, it's about the senses. Meridian is a peak or a climax, and then response just means it's triggered by something. So okay. that could be actually applied to anything. Um, but in this case, it's it's specific to ASMR. So what is ASMR? And it's just a phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The phenomenon. It's, it's a phenomenon. God, that's really phenomenon. hard to say. Phenomenon. 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 Yes, not nan. Phenomenon. Phenomenon. That's ASMR um, in itself. Sounds like femidom. Well, yes. What's femidom? F- What's a femidom? Is that the <laughs> female condom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jelly. Well, <laughs> it's like Stop a plastic crying. bag you put up your hooch. I know what it is. I just didn't know what it was called. Jelly's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I have had sex. Jelly's a virgin. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here we go. Of course, it's in my section. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no. Where was I? So it's you know on that on that topic. So yeah, it's this it's kind of a tingling on the skin or scalp or <laughs> the neck or the back. I'm talking about ASMR now, not anything else that people find to be very re- relaxing and sort of euphoric. So the triggers are what's really interesting for this. And I obviously watched a lot of videos yesterday. Um it's stuff like chewing gum. There was one um, where someone's swallowing octopus su- <gasps> sashimi. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, I just said octopus and thought, no. You, you do love them. I know. Um, really weirdly, so I've obviously 
never thought of myself as someone who experiences this. And I have to say the the ones of people just sort of whispering and like clacking their nails on a remote control, like don't really make me feel anything apart from mildly irritated. But the haircuts and the sort of dentist ones, the ones where I feel like I'm going in for some form of examination, I started to fall asleep. I was so relaxed when I was watching them. That snipping noise from a haircut oh my goodness and someone sort of is looking into the camera as if they're kind of looking at you like dressed as like a a nurse or something it's really weird (laughs) sounds horrific don't know what that says about me um is that do you have you guys ever had it with anything have you watched any videos yeah okay i don't i don't find them arousing and i don't mean sexually i mean yeah just in any way stimulating what about you Jill? i don't think i have anything have you watched videos before as well? Never. I've never, I've never, I need to get into it. Well, um, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say, there's maybe not so much a need to get into, but I would be interested to see if you had a response. Do you feel I, like I, I was someone who was very much just like, don't get it. Yeah. But it helps people with anxiety and insomnia and um, depression. So there's more research happening, like at the moment, proper kind of like funded research. Um, but what's interesting is kind of up until the last three or four years, everything we know about it is effectively like an online dialogue between people who experience it and then people who are making the content. And that's all we kind of knew about it. Wow. So yeah, it seems to be very sort of calming. The one, the only, the only thing that I can think of that, uh, but I think this is in my head because I know that loads of people find Billie Eilish's voice really ASMR-y and there's like loads of stuff on the internet, which I'm sure you came across. Yeah, she's like an ASMR icon. Yeah. Um, because... She basically, obviously the way she sings is like right up on the mic and really quiet. So that's immediately like it feels like someone's whispering in your ear, which is a huge part of it. But she also uses a lot of like Foley sounds for drum beats and things like that. Rather What's than, a Foley sound? So it's it's kind of like noise that isn't like a drum kit or an instrument. Okay. It's, it's kind of like a, it's what they do for soundtracks on films okay. and TV. That classic thing of an arm being chopped off would be slicing through a cabbage oh yeah yeah that's a foley sound so she uses like the noise of a drill in one of them and she uses sort of um like found sounds and that's a big thing with asmr it's like these kind of familiar noises and i was thinking about sort of foley sounds and i realized that my two sort of favorite scenes and most comforting scenes from my childhood in film are the slimy yet satisfying grub-eating scene in oh The Lion King and the hook imaginary feast scene. And they're both like jam-packed yeah. with like slurping, like clonking, like wooden bowls, like pots, hissing steam, crunching bugs. Like they're really, really yeah. heavy on that. You've and I actually just thought, got me going just saying all of that. Yeah. Oh, here we go. We've but, got a new one. <laughs> <laughs> a recruit. Yes. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. And I feel like a big part of it is making people feel quite young again and um, sort of safe. So whispering, when do you get whispered at, right? Like it's when it's either sexy or it's naughty or it's scary or it's a secret or something special. There's nothing normal and kind of mundane about being whispered, but it's also not abrasive. It's very quiet. Mm -hmm. So it's like being, it's probably arousing certain parts of your like an emotional response that then don't have to do anything which I imagine contributes quite a lot to having a, a tingly sensation yeah completely or feeling yeah. kind of aroused like you know not sexually like you said earlier but sort of just stimulated mm. but 
Virginia Woolf, they think, actually maybe experienced ASMR or certainly wrote a passage in Mrs. Dalloway that sounds like it sums it up perfectly. No way. So I'm just going to read this to you. And it's basically where there's a nurse talking to her patient and um, she speaks, and then this is in quotes, deeply, softly, like a mellow organ, but with a roughness in her voice like a grasshopper's, which rasped his spine deliciously and sent running up into his brain waves of sound. Wow. That does sound like ASMR. It bloody does. Good thing I've got my femidom in. (laughs) (laughs) Got on it. Femidom. Femidom. That makes sense. Like condom. Yeah. Yeah. But femi. What does con mean in this situation? Because femi, I mean... Well, condom's a place in France, isn't it? And because men con you into sleeping with them, so you have to... (laughs) It was a man called Dom who conned a woman into sleeping with him. (laughs) Condom. (laughs) But the sex was safe. (laughs) Calm down, but the sex was safe. (laughs) Can I ask a question? Yes, exactly. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yes, you absolutely must. Um, Is it always, if you, so if you're an ASMR fan, can you be an anti-fan? So is part of the community people who hate those things, is it always a positive reaction? Are there people who are compelled to listen precisely because it, they hate it so much. I think it's I think it's positive. I think you just wouldn't listen to it. But it's it is kind of fascinating. Like I was sent one a week ago of a kitten eating an entire raw salmon <laughs> and I don't <laughs> I don't That's so much salmon for a kitten. It was it, I thought that's terribly irresponsible, but yeah, mercury poisoning. Is that in salmon? I thought yeah. it was tuna. I thought it was tuna. Well, good thing it wasn't eating a tuna. <laughs> even That's even more fish for it to eat. That was oh, the next yeah. video. Um, no, but I didn't... I don't enjoy the sound, that but one. it was compelling because it was so... Terrific. Disgusting. And it's almost like you have this sense that you need to watch that thing come to an end. I didn't watch the whole thing. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I briefly toyed with the idea of watching it all but it was 12 minutes or something the kitten can't have finished the whole salmon that would be that's like four times a kitten's worth of salmon actually i must say here it wasn't the whole salmon <laughs> okay. i think oh, it was a, I, I think it was a side of salmon oh like well, a fillet no 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 more than a fillet more than a fillet less than a salmon more than a f- <laughs> not yet <laughs> a fillet that. think of that song <laughs> more than a fillet <laughs> Oh it was it was a side of salmon. I mean, that's still you know a fair whack of salmon, but yeah. I mean, I think I don't feasible. I don't think I could eat a side of salmon. I could. Oh, classic. <laughs> well, it's it's not that much. I I can't picture a side. It's of about salmon. like six fillets. Oh, six big ones. <laughs> six big. If ones. I was feeding six people, I don't know that I would buy a whole side of salmon. Um. Oh, sorry, my back just creaked. Oh, I heard that ASMR. Can I ask, you mentioned <coughs> you might be reading some ASMR lines. Oh, well, I was going to, and then I didn't come up with any because I okay. watched this weird film last night. We could all do We could all do one line from Jelly's book. How about that? <laughs> Dr. Richard Shepard's book. <laughs> she's, she's right here. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I've been trying to premiere my book. Risha. <laughs> Risha Shepard. Okay, well, I'll just do this short one here. It's the top of chapter 18. Oh, I know exactly what you're about to read. Go on then. No, I don't really. (laughs) Then you do it. She doesn't know it that well. Um, Right, okay, silence please. I'll make my mouth nice and... 
a series of disasters which claimed many lives. Oh my word. That's chilling. It is quite chilling and I kind of want to go into a bit of a gremlin voice when I do it. <laughs> but it's kind of like you have to, it's the. It's all about the S's, the slappy and then the slowness. Is it always whispering? Sorry, I feel like you... Yeah, they like, they talk like all the time. <laughs> but like slower. I can, I can, I found one. Okay. Gagging. <laughs> and that's it. That's not... <laughs> no. <laughs> Please, you'll have to, you'll have to sorry, let me carry on. Sorry. Gagging can cause vomiting and with the mouth blocked, vomit obviously cannot escape. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Trust you to have yeah, found that passing. Oh. Jelly? Gorgeous though. Lovely, lovely, um lovely voice for it. Blimey. This is a great book, isn't it? Um, Based on that alone. Um okay, I'm just gonna read any passage because nothing is gonna beat Gina's one, really. Um <laughs> I decided that if I could somehow share this fascination with others in the room, I might be able to Help them pass their horror. <laughs> camp. That went so good. You were even moving your shoulders. <laughs> so camp. Yeah, and your eyebrow was going, one of your eyebrows was going up and your shoulders were sort of dancing from side to side. I can't believe it. I like No, I finished it. Mine's going to be quite parts. quick. I don't have much to go with. Great. Well, I'm glad you're here. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so my A is for apologies. Now, obviously, you know what apologies are, but I, <laughs> I hope you do. An apology. I wanted to um, check the definition in the dictionary online, so I typed in apology. And um, the definition is a regretful acknowledgement of an offence or failure. That's the main definition. And then... You also have the old term, an apology for, so an apology for anal glands. <laughs> oh, which yes. was my original A, by the way. What do you mean? I don't, I don't know what you. So, mean. so it would be in defence of. So, oh, I see. A I better see. example. I think there's a book called, or someone wrote something, called an <laughs> apology for poetry, and it's it's like in defence of. Got it. So it would be some big treatise on on why that thing was important mm -hmm. and I don't know to keep the naysayers at bay mm -hmm. so yeah that's that's the definition so that's me done <laughs> <laughs> thanks Gina that is that's my topic covered obviously this one is it's kind of a broad it's a broad topic and it's fairly subjective in some ways I was interested to know what the most googled um how to apologize for was because often when I have a problem in my personal life or in my work life I Google it. So I put into Google how to apologise to and then just to see what comes up. The most common one was how to apologise in an email, which seems to me a bit of a cop out. Yeah. I mean, if that's the top apology people are making or Googling. I think I'd do that. But it also means why are they screwing up so much at work? That's what I want to know. Well, it might not just be work. Oh, I yeah. actually, I love an email. I bet you It has do. long been my preferred <laughs> means of communication. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think I was just more taken aback that people are, uh, <laughs> why apologise in the written word? I think the most powerful apology is is verbal in person. But that's that's why they do it in the written word, surely. I think how to apologise in person, I'd be less surprised if that was the top of the list because that's much more daunting. <laughs> and, you know, there's more room for faux pas. Still laughing about the email. <laughs> okay, moving on. The next most googled ones were how to apologise to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to a girl, to a friend for missing a meeting to someone you hurt deeply. And then this is my favourite bottom of the list, but presumably heavily googled. How to apologise without saying sorry. Wow. <laughs> when I then went in to, to find out on WikiHow what makes a good apology and they gave an example of a bad apology and it is exactly that, saying... I'm sorry that you feel this way. And then giving a defense of what you've done. So when you, the example was something like, when you were speaking in the meeting, I was thinking myself of what I wanted to do and I interrupted you and I couldn't hold it in. So it's like, rather than saying that was wrong, you're just giving an explanation as to why you did it, which kind of sucks. I find that I spend about 50% of my day apologising I think that's very British yeah, and yeah. female. I start most sentences with, like, even at work, on our like work Slack chat, I will start most times I have to ask a question, which is perfectly fine. Like I'm allowed to ask questions with like, sorry, Tom, but do you know how to do this or whatever? And I looked, when, when we were talking about this yesterday, I looked back at my um, like work correspondence and I start almost every single message to someone who's senior to me with, sorry, but... <laughs> You should own so your silly. questions. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's own your coming, coming from me, oh. and I apologise unnecessarily a lot as well. And I have been told by various people close to me that I should apologise less. Mm. And that and I think I get it from my mum. She's apologising often for. It's also culturally, like, yeah, it's, for us, it's like completely in our DNA. I think for yeah. the ladies, like no, well for Brits, yeah, and I guess Brits ladies. <laughs> Brits ladies <laughs> when I go abroad for instance um, it's if I don't speak the language it's the one I'm think I'm trying to say the most I always mm. notice it because I can't I don't have the word for yeah, it yeah yeah that's so interesting so if I'm just like walking around like, bumping into people yeah um, cannoning <laughs> off walls and careering into people but that's crazy because if we go back to the definition of it as I found in the dictionary it's a regretful acknowledgement of an offence or failure so by saying sorry however many times a day that we do, which is likely 50 yeah. Yeah. at the rate we do, you're basically saying that you are failing 50 times a day or committing an offence. Yeah. Which I'm is ridiculous. apologising for existing. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. And then it completely... Which I am sorry for. It, it detracts from the weight of an actual apology. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. If you're, you're apologising willy-nilly, then when you actually do something wrong, maybe... I just never do anything wrong. But then sometimes I try consciously not to say sorry and it feels incredibly rude. Yeah. You know, I often apologise. I think you said this, Marika, when you've been wronged, you end up apologising. Like if someone yeah. steps on my toe in a corridor, <laughs> obviously at the moment it doesn't really happen because corridors are empty. So it would be crazy if someone stepped on your toes in a corridor. But unless it was a ghost. Unless it was a ghost. But you wouldn't feel it. They might be wearing True. shoes. <laughs> Clogs. <laughs> Tap dancing. <laughs> Da, 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 da. <laughs> um, and that would just look like a pair of shoes stepping on you. Exactly. That's Even true. worse. Unless they were ghost shoes. But then you wouldn't feel them. 
What was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now my next one is a question, which is, and it's for both of you, what is the worst apology you've ever received? Is there anything that springs to mind? I have one. You kick us off if you have one. Okay. Yeah. So someone was apologising to me for sort of disrespecting me romantically. Mm -hmm. And um, in the apology, I think which didn't involve the words, I'm sorry, it was an attempt to explain the actions, which basically was something to the effect of, um, I, I realise I... I have stronger feelings for you than I had acknowledged and I think I was confused because I thought that love would be reserved for something really special like saving your silver cutlery for a special occasion and basically you're not exotic enough for me to have realised that I had cared about you. That is... the That could be straight off being me up soft boy. Yeah, I was just thinking that. It's like a combination of soft boy, fuck boy vibes. So, bananas. Mm, bananas. Mm, bananas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really grim. Well, it was just, it was a good one because it didn't, and I think that's what happens a lot when people try to apologise. It's like I said, you come up with an explanation that you think will put the other person at ease somehow and make them feel reassured that, you know, they shouldn't be you, offended. And actually, that's what he was doing, or do you think he was just an arsehole? I think I think saying I'm sorry is very hard for some people. It does seem to be the hardest word. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst apology I've received. That's Do really... either of you have um, a bad apology that you can think of? Because I have another question if you can't. I, I can't think of a single time I've been apologised to. Yeah, me neither. But I'm sure I, I'm sure I I'm have. I'm so sorry for that. Oh, there we go. You. That's the worst apology I've ever received. Or perhaps... <laughs> or perhaps the only one. <laughs> perhaps the only one. Or maybe it's that we haven't been wronged. I mean... No. That's not possible. Um, no, yeah, I don't think... No. I haven't got one. That's my okay. sh short answer. Well, I've got um, another question which you may well have an answer to. Oh, sorry, I do actually have one. Oh! I've thought of one. Oh. Um, Started with an apology again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was genuine. That was a genuine one. Um... When I was when I first dislocated my knee, it it was dislocated by a young man who uh, was dancing with me, and he was being very very rough with me, and I didn't want to dance at all. And anyway, so I kind of did it to like stop him bloody badgering me and bloody hell, and uh, get him off my back. And then he he dislocated my knee. It's been like horrific ever since. But he he um he was carrying me to the car and then kept hitting me into things and then re, kind of re-dislocating it as we were going. Uh, he just went completely green. He didn't at any point actually say the words, I'm really sorry, because I think he was so shocked um, in his defence. But then the next day, his mum, when uh, people were asking me why I was on crutches, because I obviously hadn't been on crutches the day before, and his mum just kept saying the, the, the name of the boy was Phillips. And she was, she was from Charleston. She just kept saying, Phillips broker. Not ever like, oh, this awful thing happened and we're so sorry, blah, 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 but just shouting at people that her son had broken me. That's weird. <laughs> Which isn't even an apology, but it's just... Were you dancing to Charleston? Yes, I think I, I, think I or the, or the, it was the Charleston shag. Can you believe it? My word. I know, I yeah. hope you had that femidom in. <laughs> That's what he slept on. <laughs> 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 Again, flying out as they put my kneecap back in. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, anyway, sorry, Gina, what was your next question? Next question. What is the most embarrassing thing that you've had to apologise for? Marika. Me first. Do you have any <laughs> anecdotes? Yes, you know I do. And you know that I'm loath to talk about it publicly because it is so hideously embarrassing. But for the purposes of this podcast, and because I don't want to let you down, um, I will share with you probably the most embarrassing thing in my life. That's very brave of you. Thank you. Um, so I have an older brother and you both do as well. And I think you know what that means, which is that you are basically their evil extra limb <laughs> when you're a kid. So they can do things bad and then um, do bad, do things bad, do, things bad. do bad things <laughs> and then not have any of the blame. So my brother was implicit in the story and we used to basically hound our neighbours. Um, we used to, I used to break into their house and just kind of walk around quite a lot and we used to throw kind of water balloons at their house um, we were just quite bored and arseholes apparently so <laughs> that's what used to happen and then one day um, my brother decided that it would be fun to throw a poo at their house <laughs> I'm so I'm so sorry so I yeah so the idea was to throw a poo at their house um <laughs> trajectory of this podcast <laughs> going from cutting people open to throwing poo yeah well it's horrible I mean it really is very base behaviour um, I was really young I'm just going to say as well like I was I think I was about four um, and um, yeah so we, we got a poo where'd you get it <laughs> where'd you get it <laughs> hey little girl where'd you get your poo from my bum <laughs> sorry <laughs> Your mum or your bum? My bum. Right. Um, oh, God. And put it in a sort of foil tray and threw it at their house. And again, I was really young and I, I feel awful about this and it's hideously embarrassing. And I think I might have just ruined my career. But um, <laughs> I think you've just boosted your career. <laughs> anyway, basically, we had to go and apologise um, for doing this because it's a step too far and the neighbours agreed. Several steps too far. Yeah, <laughs> I think you so passed far. step too far. We're way beyond the stairs. Um, <laughs> we're in the attic having a fucking wild time. A poo party. Um, so, yeah, we had to go around and apologise and I remember even the apology actually, to be honest, when you're asking about the worst apology you've ever received, this is probably the worst apology I've ever given as well, which was me and my brother and we'd picked some snowdrops and we were standing outside their door and... Um, it was like, you ring the bell. No, you ring the bell. No, you ring the bell. Um, so we didn't ring the bell. Um, I tried to shove the snowdrops through their, their <laughs> mailbox. What's it called? The letterbox. Letter letterbox, yeah. Um, but it had one of those, you know, like a whale's mouth kind of brush oh, on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was kind of ramming these snowdrops that were disintegrating through this like post brush thing. <laughs> And of course, they opened the door whilst this ruckus was going on. <laughs> and then we were kind of both like, we're really sorry for throwing a poo at your house. And then that was it. Wow. Oh, that was quite cute, though. I bet that would have... Well, that's probably not if your door is daubed in poo. Well, you know, it didn't hit their door. It was more of their gates. They had quite big gates. That was the thing. So what? it wasn't actually... It didn't hit a window or a person or a house or a pet or anything. It was just a gate. But um, they, I'm surprised they... Even how did they how did they possibly know it was you? Because we we were the only people who used to like throw stuff at them. Yeah, um, I haven't done anything like that since. Just there we go. That's, that's well. That. Thank you for bravely sharing with us. Mm, yes, I thoroughly enjoyed that. That's what they said as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's uh, quite enough apologising 
for one day or not for one day yes yes and and please do join us next week and scene thank you for joining us for the first episode of a is four join us next week where we'll be battling breasts booty calling barbie and breaking down breakups and you can follow us on instagram at a is four podcast a is four, a is four, a is four.